2: The Rays say goodbye to Jake Odorizzi and all-star Corey Dickerson and get virtually nothing, or should say nobody, in return. Is it tanks for the memory? We got reaction from Chris Archer, Kevin Cash, and Eric Neander. And even Evan Longoria weighed in from Giants camp. Hey, and did you watch the Daytona 500? What a heartbreaker for the local guy. Tampa's Eric Almarola. He was seconds away from winning the 500, and then he tried to block somebody, followed by a bump by Austin Dillon who spun him into the wall, ended his dream, and the number three car wins 20 years after the late Dale Earnhardt did it. Amazing drama there. Also, Jameis Winston's headed for a big payday in 2019. We'll tell you what it means to the Bucs. We've got some cutting to do of their own. All that and more on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Hello again, everybody. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Hope you had a great weekend, along with my producer, Steve Versnick. Thanks for listening. we got a lot to talk about after this busy weekend in sports, but first, I want to tell you about a special offer from our folks at Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30 day trial membership. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this show, you'll get a free audiobook. Just go to AudibleTrial.com, that's spelled A U D I B L E Trial.com slash sportsday to take advantage of the deal. Audible is owned by Amazon, it's the leading provider of digital audiobooks. And what does that mean to you? Well, they've got more than 180,000 tiles to choose from. And unlike streaming, you own your own books. So once they've been downloaded, you can listen to them even offline. That's audibletrialcom sportsday for a free 30 day trial membership and a free audiobook. So we warned you this may happen. In fact, I think the Rays kind of warned us that this would happen. Well, not exactly this. We knew the Rays were going to get rid of some players. But you kind of expected them to get somebody in return. I mean, somebody good, in case you missed it, Saturday night. I love the way they snuck it into. by the way, Saturday night. Like, if you're going to do something that's not popular, it's either Friday at 630 or sometime over the weekend. And later the better, because no one's paying attention. But I think Rays fans caught up to this. They made some moves that saved them around $10 million, and that's the headline. Uh, no matter how they want to paint this thing, this was a salary dump. I don't, I don't know how else to say it, Steve. I mean, the biggest part of it, of course, they sent their number two starter, Jake Odorizzi, who, uh, by the way, had just won an arbitration hearing with them uh, to earn 16, $6.3 million this year. He goes to the Twins, but he goes for almost nobody, a Class A shortstop, Jermaine Palacios. That's right. I haven't heard of him either. That's because he's not even among, like, the top 30 Twins prospects, according to most baseball analysts. But that was just the start of it. How about this? How about the 2017 all-star outfielder D.H. Corey Dickerson basically said, see ya, they DFA'd him. That means they're not going to get anything, basically. They'll have to probably release him now. I don't think a team's going to consummate a trade in the next 10 days, and that will save them some money because they're going to pay just one-sixth of what he was going to earn, which is uh, about five and a half, or I guess five point nine five million dollars, so uh, he only gets about a million dollars instead in termination pay. This this is a bad bad feel if you're a Rays fans. I mean, you, you kind of knew this was going to happen, um, but when it comes down and you realize that they're not getting a whole lot for these guys, uh, and it, it may just be the start of things. Now they did acquire over the weekend a right-handed hitting first base, and They seem to be excited about him. He can play first or Dh CJ Crone from the Angels and uh, they did that for a, a player to be named later some minor league player most likely the Rays won't send a, a great prospect uh, out that way um, but this is one of those deals man where you know the owner Stuart Sternberg had said that we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna dump the salaries they were pushing near 80 million dollars um, you know the GM Eric Neander warned that uh, uh, you know they wanted to make these moves you know getting ready for the full squad workouts that are coming up and there was a lot of interesting reaction and some of it from players and some of it from former players let's just listen to what Chris Archer had to say about this did the rage just get worse
3: i think with both of those moves yesterday we're not we're not as good as we were 24 hours ago i'll just i'll I'll leave it at that um, just because there's uncertainty uh, you know, the, the younger the younger arms could step up, um, you know, a, a younger bat could step up and fill that position that Corey was going to be in, but as of today, our team is not quite as good as it was yesterday.
2: By the way, you hear the ping pong table in the background? That's what doomed the Bucks this year. I hope they get rid of that thing, you know, because everybody was cl- complaining about that. So they couldn't do better than Palacios, huh? Well, what do you think, Chris? Do they get
3: enough? He's been talked about being traded for a while and you would assume a pitcher of his caliber uh, would would return something special. And maybe this kid we got is something special, I, I don't know. Um, I'm hoping that it was one of, the, one of the situations like with Beckham. We got one really, really, really good minor league player. Um, I've had the chance to meet the guy that we got for Beckham, and I think he's going to be pretty special, and I'm hoping the same as the case with the kid we got from the Twins. (laughs) had a
2: chance to meet him, has no idea who he is, none. My producer, Steve Versnick, thank goodness you looked it up, man. Tobias Myers is who they got for uh, Beckham. He's a right-handed pitcher. Appeared in, I think, what, 12 games? 12 games, actually, between two teams. Yeah, in in Hudson Valley and – place called Aberdeen. I guess that's single-A rookie league. Uh, The Rays. It's hard to be a Rays fan. It's going to get harder. It just is. If you're keeping score at home, this is what's happened. So they traded Evan Longoria without getting a uh, a big, you know, top, I guess you'd say a top 100 prospect back anyway. Uh, They traded uh, Jake Odorizzi for a guy that's sort of, you know, not even in the top 30 of a, of a of a system that the Twins aren't exactly loaded with prospects. They DFA Corey Dickerson, um, you know, who's their leading hitter uh, last year. Now, he had kind of a down second half, I guess you would say. But he's an all-star, and they're getting zero back for him. And there just seems to be this big urgency. I mean, they want to force the issue. What's the message here, Kevin Cash?
0: Um don't beat the Rays twice in consecutive years in arbitration.
3: <laughs>
0: uh, no, you know what? Both, both look, it, it was a, it's a, it was a tough night last night. Uh, saying that we added a couple players that we think really highly of, uh, but anytime you're around these guys, Jake for three years, Dicky for two years, they have big impacts on the field and the clubhouse for us, and um, you hate to see them go, but you understand. Uh, you know w- what we're trying to accomplish I think you know separating the two with, with Dickerson specifically you know we get back to Nard span uh, it gets a little crowded with left-handed corner outfielders uh, we had to make an adjustment and and ultimately that's what we did we tried to you know we did compliment with adding CJ Krohn who we felt you know we needed that right-handed bat because we're a little lefty heavy Excited to see CJ get in here and and do his thing. I talked to him last night. He seems genuinely excited. As far as Odo, um, Odo's been as about as, you know, last year he had some hiccups with the health, but other than that, he's been just a model of consistency. It seems like we talk about it after every one of his starts. uh, It's tough to see both of them go. Talking to both of them on the phone last night, uh, I did not see Dickie today. I saw Odo. Odo was extremely appreciative of everything, the organization, uh, the camaraderie in here and wish him both of them nothing but the best.
2: I'm sure Odo and Dickie are thrilled. Not so sure Ray's fans are though, especially with Dickerson. Uh, it just seems like I don't know, the timing was odd. Like they're trying to force this thing uh right away and and again, it's financial. I mean it just it clearly is. Call it what it is. Um I don't know I don't know how else you paint this. I mean Odo Reeze's a guy that uh you know, if you'd awaited, waited, I, I, I'm assuming, of course, you're on the hook for his salary, but I'm assuming if somebody, you know, that's a contending team has some arm trouble, they would come after him. There was some talk about the Cardinals in the past. You just don't know, but then he also could get hurt. And I know that's something that's probably on their minds. They don't want, they absolutely didn't want to be on the hook for that arbitration that they lost at over $6 million. Um so so here's Eric Neander who's trying to to muddle through this Why, why'd you do it now the trade market itself is another one
1: that you know this is this is what it is and you have to make a decision at some point to to jump and to do what you need to do, uh, and, and we felt like we got to a point, um, given you know considerations, opportunities, alternatives, that this was this was the right time for us to do that to provide some clarity in our camp, <laughs> uh, and some clarity to the players that were a bit in limbo, and you know we're mindful of it.
2: Yeah, they're in limbo. Pretty much everybody raised camps in limbo, and and as far as the clarity goes, I mean, I guess what you've done is is told Denard Span that he's going to play left field some. Um, Because you don't have Corey Dickerson anymore out there. And even span that's a weird one to me. You basically had to take his salary, which is about what Longoria was making. Um, But you did get a prospect back for him. Uh, It's just just a weird deal. I mean, uh, and I get it. There was 100 guys down at IMG and nothing really going on. Although you started to see some movement uh, the other day with Eric Hosmer and some others finally settling. I think he went to San Diego. Uh, so why not wait for the market to settle
1: we've been on this and exploring things for for several months now
2: and you know
1: it, we, we reached a point where uh, you know we this is this is the reality of, of the market and and where things are and, and what the demand um, is at this point and uh, you know it's, it was time for us to to jump and to get some things settled so uh, you know these are two areas for us uh, in terms of what was going out that were uh, areas of of that we determined to be areas of depth and uh you know, wanted to work from those to, uh, to, you know, we were able to bring in, you know, one prospect and Jermaine Palacios and uh, we'll see how things play out with Dickey. But, um, you know, an opportunity for us to, to achieve some of our stated goals while still giving ourselves enough of camp uh, to continue to explore the market and see what else we can do to round out our team.
2: And when he says achieve some of our stated goals, doesn't he mean achieve some of our financial dumping of our stated goals? Well, has that been stated? Um. Clearly, this was this was you know so much about about salary and payroll and all of that. They did get one player um, that was not part of the Odorisi deal or the dumping of Corey Dickerson. They got CJ Crone, who's a right-handed DH first baseman. I guess at some point he'll platoon with Brad Miller, who I'm not thrilled with uh, for starters. Um, can't play second base. Really can't. Can't handle it over there defensively. They played him some at first. Kevin Ca- Kevin third-
4: Cash alluded to the fact that he may be more of an everyday type player. Um, he'll definitely play against all the lefties, but they're going to get him in against a lot of right-handers too. They think he's got a lot of upside. C.J. Crone, yes. Okay. Yeah, he t- he so, s- he, t- he seemed to indicate that it's going to be more than just against lefties for Crone.
2: Okay, so he's not just a platoon guy. Yeah, I mean, I-,
4: I don't I don't think they're ready to say he's going to be every day, but. He's going to play yeah. more often against righties than maybe you've seen in the past when they've had the platoon-type situations or when you perceive it to be.
2: And he sort of had the, the opposite year of Dickerson where he didn't start very well but then actually played you know fairly well at a good second half. Crone did. So, look, I mean, eventually, sooner or later, and I guess in this case later, uh, Jake Bowers is going to be their first baseman. I mean, that's who they're all excited about. It's just that they're not going to bring him up a la – Evan Longoria, Chris Archer, you know, just to gain the extra year arbitration. You can imagine he's going to start the year in the minor leagues. And so they'll find a place to, uh, you know, to play these two guys at first base, I would guess. Um, it was interesting because this this sort of news, if you will, started to reverberate and was is felt as far as Arizona at Giants camp, by of all people, the guy it started with, Evan Longoria. And if you didn't see it, um, he told ESPN – he said uh, about the Rays and, and about you know the trading of Odorizzi and the dumping of Dickerson, he said it's kind of a shame. I don't understand it. The guy was an all-star last year talking to Dickerson. He's early in his prime. He's still controllable. It just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to a lot of people. Corey will end up somewhere and will continue to be the player that he is. But I kind of just feel bad for the Rays fan base. And I feel bad for the guys this year who are probably counting on Corey to put up numbers and help the team win. I'm not going to take too many shots, but I think it's pretty obvious that the guy is a valuable player and didn't deserve to be DFA. would There's kind of a stigma to that actually. And I mean, I think it's sort of guided by the Rays need to, uh, to not pay him, but to be DFA would after you made an all-star appearance. Uh, and I believe if I'm not mistaken, other than Archer being added late as a pitcher, he was the only all-star that the Rays had, you know, uh, should, you know, should, should they have waited? I mean, that's, that's going to be the question I've, I've said this, Steve that that, you know, I know you can't do it all at once, but if you could, it'd be better for Rays fans if they just pulled the damn band-aid off. You know, uh eventually you're going to say goodbye, I mean, say goodbye to Chris Archer, say goodbye to Calame, you know, Steven Souza probably will go in, Wilson Ramos, uh Danny Hechevera.
4: I mean, but is this Ovalde. not what they're doing right now? I mean, I think it is. I, I, in, in in the next 2-3 weeks you may see some more of those players go. I think you will, and that's what
2: I mean. It's just, it's unfortunate. But We're not I,
4: calling it that yet. And and because of the way the trade market and free agent market is, is, is maybe it got it's too not slow. moving as fast as you – Maybe right. you p- probably wanted this to happen in January, not right. as camp's opening today. It would be and the first full squad workout.
2: And you wanted to get something in exchange. I mean, the, the shocking thing is not so much, okay, so you know it's a, it's a supply and demand sort of market, but no one's getting any prospects back for anybody. I mean, this is the thing. There's so many players out there that aren't moving that it's it's such a it's such a, a buyer's market right now that no one's giving you giving up anything for for any decent players. And so, you know, in in lieu of that, they just soon try to force things and get things moving. Um, the one thing that uh, Kevin Cash did confirm, our Mark Tompkin is reporting, um, one of the reasons why I guess you could say they they didn't need five experienced starters is that they're basically gonna go especially early in the season with a four-man four rotation I mean they got eight days off um in the first what 38 40 days 38 games I guess or 38 days so they're gonna go with Chris Archer
0: hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters May 17th do you want to tell people the big news
2: Uh, Nathan Eovaldi, and and Jake Faria. Correct. So
4: Andrees has been moved to the bullpen. He'll pitch a lot of longer inning stints. Yes.
2: He'll be so. kind of – because they want to go to that, you know, three times through the order, na-na-na, not so much. What are we going to do with the 19th hitter? So you have a guy like Andrees that can stretch you out till you get to the back end of the bullpen, right? Yeah. I mean, that'll yes. be his role.
4: So, yeah, the first month, month and a half, they're going to four-man rotation. They may have a bullpen day. Every once in a while, when they need that fifth starter, but they're not gonna they're not gonna pitch five starters until probably sometime in May. And then I
2: guess you know you're you're likely then if this is your announced rotation, barring injuries, and we're still just starting spring training, that that means that all your prospects, and they got a bunch of them, will be starting like Brent Honeywell, who you know hasn't gotten his cleats dirty yet, according to Chris Archer. By the way, those two guys are amusing. I mean, I don't. I guess there's an edge to both of them, and like we've determined, they both are right. You know, with respect to Honeywell saying, "Hey, put up some numbers. Shut up and put up some numbers," and then Archer saying, "You know, throw a pitch in the majors before you start popping off about how great you are." They're both exactly right, but they do sort of they they do. It, this seems to be a fairly good-natured, uh, if not purposeful, ribbing between the
4: two of them, doesn't it? It's kind of refreshing to hear. It is. I mean, this is stuff that goes on in locker rooms a lot, but yeah. you never hear it. Right. Right. You know, this And is the not, one thing the clubhouse mentality or clubhouse culture that the banter. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. But they're doing it on national television. I mean, um Archer was even he was like, "Oh, it kind of got blown out of, you know, the old the old it got blown out of proportion out of context thing." But in reality, he he just doubled down on it. He's he If you saw him on this interview with MLB Network, he was talking about, he goes, "Well, you know, it's it's apropos it's apropos actually like honeywell played for the durham bulls and you know bull durham he's kind of like nick lelouch you know where he <laughs> has a great arm but i'm not sure about that head of his i was hysterical man i was just he didn't even care he was just but you can tell that there is like he like he genuinely likes the guy because because you know he says he has a screw loose but a, a lot of people would say that about archer too um, but it, it's just very endearing. It's just kind of funny to see this. So I hope that Archer is still on the staff, when, when and if they finally uh, get you know have a chance. Honeywell gets a chance to come up and pitch to get pitch with them because it's going to be really fun to watch them. I don't know. Oh, your Tampa Bay Rays. I feel for you, Rays fans, man. Um, I said it. Somebody asked me uh, how many games they would win, and I think I said uh, or lose. And I, it's, it looks like a hundred, boy. I mean, if you can keep this under 100 losses, Kevin Cash may be the manager of the year because you look at the players that they're losing and will lose before this is over with. I mean, yeah, a lot, you know, could a lot of these young guys, and I'm not saying it's the wrong idea because I think, I think where the Rays are, you know, with respect to the number of prospects that they need and, and just the whole, you know, the whole salary implications. And, and look, it's no secret. Um, no one was coming to the trap when they were winning, and certainly they haven't had a winning season in four years. So you can continue to try to thread the needle every year with a a bunch of different players like Dickerson and, um, you know, all these guys that they bring in and and make as many deals as you want. But you're always just sort of outside, you know, you're playing in the American League East. Look what the Yankees have done. The Yankees are young and uberly talented. Um, The Red Sox are always going to spend money and have have a hell of a team. Um, You know, from time to time, the Orioles will rise up and do some things. I mean, you're just so outgunned in the American League East, but, Um, so, you know, the way to go is, is back to the future. Hopefully you, you know, you bring, you have enough prospects that come up together. They play well together, uh, like, like the 08 team. And before you know it, all these guys are in a world series, but that's what Houston did. That's what Cleveland did. It was easy. Everyone would do it. And now that seems to be what many teams are trying. I mentioned, uh, you know, there, there's probably one race a year. I'll be honest that I watch in NASCAR and I, and that was the one I watched today. It's the, it's the uh, Daytona 500. Um, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance and pageantry that that I like about the race. It's sort of, I always thought it's interesting, you know, that in NASCAR, they, they, you know, this is their Super Bowl. They begin the season with the greatest event. And that's always kind of cool to me. And it kind of feels that way. You know, these, these teams have been, um, you know, working and trying to, uh, get the cars ready. And, and, you know, this is the most. Research they've done, and everybody's everybody's ready to go. And here's our man from Tampa. I mean, this was heartbreaking. Eric Almirola. First of all, it, it, was, it was a race just filled with exactly what you talked about, uh, Steve, which is, you know, this restrictor plate rating, racing. Um, no one can really separate from the pack. Uh, it comes down to wrecks, right? Can you avoid the wrecks? And, hell, they took out the best cars, I think, early in this thing. I mean, there were wrecks all over the place guys go three wide, somebody tries to block and they were doing this way too early in the race and, you know, there would be these these giant accidents. And so what I think is going to continue to happen, uh, and maybe it's happened the last few years, but um, you get to the final lap or so and everybody's pushing it and so you have an accident so your yellow comes out and now you have the overtime, which is, you know, take the white in one lap and you take the checkered flag and so you're there. Uh, and it just so happened that uh, Amarola was was there. He was in the lead, man. He's going down, and not just not just at the restart. I mean, he took the lead, and he's in the back stretch in overtime. He's going to win the Daytona 500, which forever, you know, enshrines you as you know having won the great race. And it's just um, it's just what every every driver aspired to do. He used to go there as a kid and um, sit on the banks and the whole deal, uh, and yet. Here comes uh, behind him Austin Dillon, uh, who's driving the number three car. You know, which was, of course, Dale Earnhardt's number, and he's obviously got a little more horsepower. And he's there's, you know, there's been bumping going on pretty much the whole race, which has caused most of the accidents. And he he rear ends him, and he re- runs right into his rear bumper, spins him into the wall, and that's it. Like within a flash, just that close to the finish line, and it's over. So Dylan wins, and you know, does the uh, Earnhardt like uh, number three in the infield with his tires. I mean, it was dramatic. I will say that there was there was a hell of a lot of of uh, sort of nostalgia and and uh, uh, you know this this the whole twentieth anniversary of Earnhardt winning this race. Um, of course, he he died three years later um, at that same track. But uh, the thing that was most upsetting, I mean, I, I you know, Dylan ends up you know, getting checked out to make sure he's okay. And they finally get around to interviewing him. And this is the thing. And Tom Jones wrote about this this morning in the Tampa Bay Times in his Two Cents column, and he's so dead on. Um, nobody, I'm still waiting for somebody from Fox whose whole broadcast, you know, it's really cozy with the – I mean, they're a promoter, right? They're, they're not um, They're not trying to be hardcore journalists with Daryl Waltrip and boogity, 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 you know, and all that stuff. I mean, this is not this is not Mike Wallace, Okay. Uh, so it's just, you know, but the race is over and you've, we've watched this guy get shoved into the wall half a lap before taking the checkered flag. And not one person from Fox bothered to ask, uh, if he felt like he got a little screwed out there, which he did. I mean, he got bumped sideways and his, his dream was, you know, picked up in pieces and he ended up finishing 11th technically. Um, but it was just disappointing that that nobody got around to asking them. I don't know, it was weird.
4: Yeah, I mean the I mean the NASCAR, NASCAR broadcasts seem more than any other network or, or any other sport where all they're doing is a they're a promoter. That it's not yes. there's nothing critical. I mean, you know, Fox NFL Sunday will be critical of the NFL at times and ESPN will and et cetera. um but NASCAR always seems like it, it's nothing but a big promotion.
2: Right. No, you're right. And, I mean, you know, more so than, uh, uh, you know, I think I, when we were talking uh, before before we, we came on here, it was, you know, it's sort of like it would be as if, you know, the Super Bowl when um, Seattle's a, a yard from the goal line from winning the Super Bowl and they drop back and throw a pass it's intercepted and the Patriots win the game and everyone's going crazy and no one from NBC or Fox or whoever's doing the game goes – Hey um Pete before we go you know just tell us what the hell you were thinking there with throwing a pass on the one yard line if nobody asked that question then you would have what Fox did in my opinion after the game after the race it was it was just very bizarre but that is true that um there you know the, the sort of the the broadcast of that um you know, really is as much a promotion as it is anything else. It's but just it almost
4: it, it it's always kind of felt like it, even from the you know. So how did it run today? Well, the good year Chevrolet, whatever car ran this way, and the announcers even call it that. And I, you know, granted, they're paid to do that because those advertisers are actually sponsoring Fox and or NBC for NASCAR. But it's kind of always sure. felt that way because of the, the way the sponsors have been so intertwined in that that it's all about promoting the sponsors, not really about being critical or or. Asking those tough questions of anybody. It's just making everyone feel good and look good.
2: Right. And, you know, they got, I mean, they got guys down there that can certainly are capable of asking the question and girls too. But, um, but if they're, you know, and I like Jeff Gordon. I think he has good chemistry and uh, I like what, what he brings. Um, but there was just nothing to it. But I feel so bad for the local guy because you never know if he's going to be uh, in that position again or when he'll be in that position again. So it was awfully disappointing. Before we go, I wanted to mention, uh, as I did earlier, that Jameis Winston is heading for a big payday uh, with the Bucks. That's not breaking news. That's sort of a fact. And we're in this window since Winston was a first-round, first overall pick, as a matter of fact, um, and he's entering his fourth year there's a a fifth-year club option for 2019, and they're in a window where they can actually pick that up. They will. It it probably won't happen. I think the deadline's May 2nd, so it probably won't happen. I think they did it with Mike Evans a year ago, uh, around the middle of April or so. Um, But it's a big number. I mean, he's going to earn about, uh, right now, at least $20.6 million is sort of what we figure, and it could go higher. Now, that's only guaranteed against injury, so... Um, it's not as if, you know, uh, that, that, that comes with a guarantee. Once you pick up the option, if he gets hurt, he's going to get paid that. Um, uh, but that's the only, that's the only guarantee there is. And it doesn't impact the salary cap until we're about where we are now next year, when they get to the first you know, day of the, of the new calendar year, which will be sometime in, in March of 2019. Um, but having said all that, you know, they got to kind of plan for it because, You've got a lot of guys, and I think free agency, even though they'll have close to $80 million once they make some cuts in the next week or two uh, on the salary cap, but that's why their priority will be locking up their core players because – once you're paying your quarterback that much, a higher percentage of the salary cap, it's an allocation system. You only have so much money, so that's why they'll be looking at um, trying to extend Mike Evans and Aliamar Pet and Donovan Smith. Those those last two guys are going into their fourth year. They could become free agents after this year. Quan Alexander is another player. So all these guys, I think the the, the focus, as much as they need new players, and I'm not saying that they won't try to, you know, fill some needs on the defensive line and other places, maybe corner, uh, you know, through free agency. But the the biggest bulk of that money has got to be sort of committed, if you will, towards locking up their core players. And it was funny because some people, you know, were responding on Twitter um, saying, "Why would you do this?" He hasn't, you know, Jameis hasn't proved anything. He hasn't done anything to, to you know, sort of deserve. Well, what's the alternative? I mean, not everybody's going to end up with a with a you know a great team um, and a veteran journeyman quarterback like Nick Foles, you know. Uh, or Case Keenum that's going to take them, you know, to the NFC Championship. I mean, it's just that that is not everybody's still going to look for the, you know, sort of the franchise guy. But when you consider, you know, what some of these quarterbacks are making I mean, they just 49ers just signed Jimmy Garoppolo five years, 137.5 million dollars. And that's got a thirty five million dollar signing bonus. And, and there's about seventy four million guaranteed. Uh, that's a huge number. And we still haven't got to. You know, guys like Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers are all up for new deal. So just imagine what a new deal for, for Jameis Winston would be. I mean, say what you want about Jameis. And I know he was 3-10 and 10 last year, you know, as a starter. And, of course, there was the arm trouble and the playing three games hurt and then, you know, missing three games and coming back. But he still improved his completion percentage, his yards per attempt. The passer rating was at 92-2, uh, which, which was way up. So, you know, look, he, he's done enough. Um, and we don't know what the situation with the NFL investigation, but he's done enough to warrant the fact that he is going to be here through five years. And then at that point, if you haven't signed him or want to sign him to a long term extension, you're looking at franchise uh, tenders, you know, those sort of things. Or, you know, if he's hit it and you've made the playoffs and you're, you're convinced he's your man, and by that time they should be, then, then he's going to get a giant deal. But that affects how many players you can put around him. So that window, really, right now. To be honest with you, these next two years, year or two, is probably the best you can do in terms of surrounding him with guys because um, you can still afford to keep everybody. After that, you're going to be making tough decisions about some of the core players. So that's it for this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. We uh, invite you to keep doing this as much as you can, make it a habit. And also, please go on and rate and review this podcast. We really appreciate that as well. You can be sure to follow us on Twitter. We're at Sports Day SportsDayTB, that's at sports day TV, or you can reach me at NFL Stroud, and my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com and as
4: always steve where can they subscribe to this podcast well you can get it on itunes or google play uh stitcher tune in uh soundcloud uh also tampabay.com slash sports always has the latest podcast up there as well
2: also, uh, make sure you check in to TampaBay.com for the latest news on all your favorite sports teams—the Bucks, the Lightning. They got a big trade deadline coming up. We're going to be following that. Expect some players maybe to be released here soon with the Buccaneers. And then the uh, NFL Combine is coming up in a week or so. Lots going on. You want to keep it right here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times. For Steve Verstick. have a great day, everybody.